Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody. Looking out the window of my studio, I uh, see the sun shining. Now, might have a little rainy weather yet today, the weatherman says, but then we're going to get some dry, warm days and actually some midsummer temperatures in the 80s and 90s. So this will change things again, but slowly, because we've had a lot of cool water. We've got a lot of lakes that are full. And as much as we need moisture in Colorado all the time, the next person that tells me when it's raining, we can always use the moisture. I think I'm going to smack them. Now, in all honesty, it's been quite a summer, uh, but things look like they might start to stabilize. Uh, but the fishing through all this has been good, and we're going to start talking more hunting as we get into the second half of summer here because you need to be getting ready now. You know, the mantra on the show is don't get ready to go hunting. Stay ready, whether that's your equipment your practice time, your scouting. So we'll be talking about that. And Parks and Wildlife are going to talk to us about some opportunities for you to get out and express what you would like to see for the sportsmen out there. We have all that coming up. Right now, let's go to the phones. Joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. And, you know, it's not unusual for us to have runoff through June when we get a major snowpack like we did. But some of the levels of runoff have been pretty unique with the amount of rain we've gotten. I think there's still some runoff to come. But what I'm hearing, and you can let me know what you're seeing, maybe things are starting to settle down a little. uh, I've been seeing that. You know, it's been... It's been such a goofy year, and your intro made me laugh because it is. I've told myself, I'm not going to complain on the rain this year. We love it. We need it. I am over it. (laughs) And uh, we, uh, you know, up high, up on the South Platte, we're starting to see, um, you know, we're we're still a little snow up there, but it's starting to subside a little bit. We're seeing the flow start to come down. Um, Our reservoirs are so filled right now, so we're sitting in such a good shape. It's just with how cold and wet and rainy it was this spring and early summer, it was just like, it wasn't a traditional runoff. Um, and as you just mentioned, it's been kind of just been goofy. Um, but we're starting to get into better flows and, and we have such a great outlook for the next few months ahead of us here. Well, you know, a couple of things are going to play into the flows over the next few weeks. One is the snow obviously is dwindling. There's less to come down, but the reservoirs are getting very full. So they're not going to be able to hold a lot of that water back anymore. They're going to have to let it come through. And then even once the snow melts, you and I both know that if the farmers start making calls for water, all of a sudden they're going to have to release some of that. So it's still going to be kind of a a hard year. I think you're going to have to check the conditions on a constant basis. We will. We will be checking them daily. Um, it's really important to keep your tabs on that just to see if the flows have come up on the river you want to fish or have come down, that will impact the flies you want to throw. Um, but it is, and it's, you know, on the South Platte river, especially all those reservoirs now are completely filled except for spinny and spinny is just about there now. So now as we get the incoming flows into the reservoirs, the outflows are going to match, uh, match it kind of like you were saying. And 
And I think we're going to see some strong flows for the next month, six weeks plus. Um, for us on the river, it's a good thing because the last couple of years, we've been dealing with hot water in July and August, and it's made a lot of rivers unfishable. And I don't think we're going to come across that too many times this summer. Yeah, I think it's the health of the fishery and the availability to fishy streams without impacting the fishery is going to be one of the best years we've had in a long, long time. That's a great point. We shouldn't get a lot of stream and river closures because of hot water, and the the health of the fish should just be good, and that should do well for growth, for reproduction. So what are you seeing out there? Take us through some of the uh, areas and how they're fishing. Yeah, you bet. So uh, because everything's been so goofy lately, We've been fishing a lot on the South Platte River. We've been fishing up at Cheeseman Canyon and down at Deckers, and Deckers especially. I know that there's quite a few people fishing down there, but the fishing's really strong right now. Um, the the bug life's really good. The fishing's it's beautiful up there. The floats are good. The water's clear again. So, um, yeah, a lot of good things happening on the South Platte. Um, the Dream Stream, we've been backing off. Um, as of the last few weeks, just because the flows, they've had it lower as they're trying to fill spinny up and finish filling it up. Um, but yesterday, they increased another 50 CFS out of the dam of spinny, and that's going to keep coming up. So the dream stream, as we start getting more flows, is going to be a great option for people. Um, and then the bigger freestone rivers like the Arkansas and the Colorado, they're still high, but they're coming down. Our float trips, like, usually we don't float the Colorado River below Kremling if it's over 3,000 cubic feet per second, and it just got underneath that this week. So we're going to start running our float trips again. Um, the early word on the Colorado River has been fishing really strong. There's really good hatches of PMDs and yellow sallies. Um, great options there. For those who don't want to drive that far, Clear Creek is becoming a good option now. Um Clear Creek was really high. That's really susceptible when we get these rainstorms to kind of blow out and get muddy. But we get a few of these nice days in a row, and Clear Creek drops down and becomes a fantastic option if you don't want to drive too far. You know, Clear Creek it, it, and Bear Creek, too, are two rivers. Of course, the Platte goes right through Denver, too, but it's a little different animal when it goes through Denver. But they're, they're pretty, they can be pretty good fishing, but they're, they come into town, they get some pressure, they're close. Do you have to change your tactics at all compared to other rivers when you fish rivers like Clear Creek that are coming right into the metro, or is it really just dependent on the conditions just like everywhere else? It's mainly conditions, um, you know, on how much water's coming down. There's times where you'll get a few people fishing, and especially as you make your way down closer to Golden, down the bottom of the canyon in Clear Creek. Um, the higher up you go, you'll still see people fishing, but... The beauty of Clear Creek is such a great dry fly river. And so now as the river starts coming down, the dry fly fishing is going to get really good. And Clear Creek is a fantastic option for those that you get off of work at 3, 4, 5 o'clock. You have a couple hours to kill in the evening. The caddis hatches that you're going to start seeing on Clear Creek are really good, which makes that last couple hours of light really prolific fishing on Clear Creek. Uh, throughout the day, Early day, you're going to see some floating, some, you know, whitewater boats going down the river. Um, but it's uh, it, it's tremendously fun. Little elk hair caddis, pheasant tails are really good on that river. Little gray RS2s are always good on Clear Creek. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of options is Clear, here. Is Clear Creek mostly rainbows or you get some browns? Is it a mix? It's a good mix. It's a really good mix. You get some really quality rainbows. 
Um, especially um, as you make your way up the canyon a little bit closer to like where the turnoff is for uh, Central City and Blackhawk off I-70, that section below Idaho Springs would be really good. Um, good rainbows in there. Um, you see a good mix of wild browns in there too, all the way down in Golden, all the way up through Georgetown. The whole river, Clear Creek's got a ton of browns. Um, and sometimes you go find your way higher up on Clear Creek, you can find a few cutthroats up there. How does it compare to Bear Creek? Bear Creek and Clear Creek are similar. Um, the fish are going to be just a tad bigger in Clear Creek. Uh, Bear Creek's a much smaller river system, um, and, but it's tremendously fun. And Bear Creek, too, you have a lot of browns, a lot of small rainbows. Um, and if you fish Bear Creek to higher up towards Evergreen, you fish, you'll find better fish. You'll find really good fish right through downtown Evergreen, really nice rainbows in there. Um, the public parks can be kind of busy on the weekends, um, on Bear Creek, like Lair the Bear and Corwina. Um, but it's like, if you have a family, you want to go for a picnic, you want to catch a few fish. And especially if you have younger ones who you're a little nervous on taking into a dangerous river that's flowing really heavy, Bear Creek is a great option. Let's talk about something that's coming up. That's probably one of my favorite times to fly fish mostly because it's the way I'm most successful. I suck otherwise. But, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's the terrestrials coming out, the grasshoppers and the ants and the beetles, but especially the hopper-dropper type presentations. Now, normally we get into July, we start seeing the dry weather, and we start seeing a lot of hoppers. What are you seeing out there, and do you think we're getting close to that? I think we're going to be knocking on the door here in the next two, two three weeks. Um, I'm with you, Terry. Terrestrial season is one of my favorites on the river. Um, it's fun throwing big dry flies and big hoppers, and you don't have to be precise with your cast or your presentation. And, you know, you want that fly to plop like a real grasshopper lands on the water. Um, it should be a really good season for it. Um, those have been outside. We'll see, like, the hay fields next to these rivers right now are lush. They're so thick and everything's so green right now we're going to have a great hopper season. And I think this year it's going to extend all the way through August and all the way through September as well, just on how wet and how thick the grass is. Do you, when you're fishing hopper droppers, when we get into that, and we'll have you back on, we'll talk about it more when it's going on. But when you're doing it, do you have some favorite hoppers? Do you try to really identify the hoppers or, or is it, it is critical? And, and what about the dropper? Do you look for what's hatching, or do you go with a generic? They, um, you know, on hopper fishing, go generic. Go a pattern that, for me, I want a pattern that's going to float really well. Um, sometimes on that dropper, you can tie a little heavier fly on that's going to sink quicker, and a big old hopper pattern is going to float really high. And so, more than anything, instead of, like, changing the pattern, I'll have a, a hopper pattern that I know floats well that I really like, but then I start tweaking on where the river we're fishing it. And, you know, if you're a real grasshopper, chances are you're probably not going to be falling in the middle of the river too often, unless it's a windy day. So it's more tactics of changing, hitting right off the bank lines and hitting little structure and rocks, you know, right near the banks and near willows and um, tactics like that. But hopper droppers, oh, man, it's such a solid way to fish. Yeah, I, you know, I have a, three or four different hoppers in my box and I, I kind of go by where I'm fishing and the size of the fish, which might not be right. I'll throw, 
I'll throw some smaller ones like in the little rivers that are coming out of the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. But a lot of times those great big Chernobyl ants or something are what they'll, it's amazing out of one little pool. But then I'll go something easy with a bead on it or something like a copper john. And it and it seems to work just fine. I just don't change the dropper up a lot. Try to stay a little bit generic. That that is a great tactic to do. Um, there's times you could change that dropper if you're on the river and you see a great hatch happening. You know that's where those fish will be a little bit more in tune to one insect that they're keying in on. But generally speaking, going with something you're confident in. Like the Copper John is a fly that's always going to catch a fish. You know, Copper Johns, and they come in several different colors. The red one this time of year is really good. Um, they have one that's kind of a zebra color. It's black and silver. That's really good this time of year as well. Um, hare's ears. Hare's ears a caddis representation. And so for us, in the summer months, we have so many caddis on the rivers. A hare's ear is always a good option. And, and to your point, if you're going to use that as like a hopper dropper rig, Make sure it's a little gold bead, a little tungsten or brass bead on that fly, and then you don't have to add any additional weight at all either. Do you, do you change the length very often of the dropper? I mean, do you have a? Are you trying to get it like it's an emerging th- uh, bug, or do you try to get it down close to bottom? Generally speaking, I try to get it down. Um, as I was mentioned just earlier, like I target a lot of shallow water doing this um, near the banks and not too far off the edges of the river. And so most of my time, my dropper is about 18 to 20 inches below my dry fly. Um, there's times the flows are a lot heavier than what I've seen the last few years. And if I get to a river and, you know, that run that's normally about two feet deep, if that's now about three feet deep with the additional water, then I'm probably going to extend that to about two and a half feet deep on my dropper. Um, I try to leave, I'm with you, I try to leave that pretty consistent all day. Um, yeah. Well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if I, you know, if I'm targeting shallow water, I know I'm going to keep it, you know, pretty close to my dry fly. If I'm hitting deeper water, I'm just going to extend it a little bit further away. We are out of time, but tell people where they can find you guys if they want to book a trip or want more information. Yeah, guys, call us up here at the shop. We're right here at Evergreen. We've been here for 35 years. Um, we're the Blue Quill Angler. You can call us with any questions you have on public access points on different rivers or flies to use. Um, our number here at the shop is 303-674-4700. Um, and real quick, Terry, just to mention it, we are still running our classes real heavy all summer. So for those of you who are interested in fly fishing, call us, look us up online at bluequillingler.com. We run such a fantastic intro to fly fishing course, and um, it's a great way to get in the sport. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. We'll talk again soon. Hey, thank you, Terry. You have a great Saturday. You bet. Chris Steinbeck. Just great people up there, folks. If you're looking to get into fly fishing, folks at Blue Quill, they're just legendary guides and great people and so great to work with. We'll take a quick time out and we'll come back. Brad Peterson will join us and we'll uh, talk more fishing on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.